Well, we'll start off with a little joke this morning. A pastor was in the middle of uh, his sermon when he noticed a man had fallen asleep with his head on his wife's shoulder. <clears throat> the pastor said, wake up your husband. And the woman smiled and replied, you put him to sleep, you wake him up. <laughs> time watched as the ushers passed around the offering plate when they came near his pew the boy said loudly Dad, daddy don't pay for me I'm under five <laughs> <laughs> hallelujah <clears throat> heavenly father thank you for this day thank you for the children that you have sent here your children to worship together to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ to be discipled in your word which is what we are called to come together to do to fellowship and to grow in your word thank you for using me today the anointing that breaks every yoke help this seed to fall into good ground that it may take root and bear fruit in their lives and in all of those who hear this message elsewhere and other times. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, say this with me. I will keep my eyes upon Jesus. He will never leave me, never forsake me. In and through him, I can do all things. I am a loved, blessed, anointed, healthy, prosperous child of God. Amen. Hallelujah. The book of Colossians uh, chapter 1. You can turn, if you, if you want to know where the, the message will be today, you can turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12 and Revelation chapter 12. Almost from the beginning to the end. Just, missed, just by one book we missed the beginning. But Exodus 12 and Revelation 12. And then you'll see it'll be, that'll be close enough to get you where you need to be. But I've been talking a lot about living life after the Spirit. The importance of that. Our call to do that. To be who we truly are now in our born again spirit, which is who we are. God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth is what he told the woman at the well in John 4, 24. So, I, um, I like to remind you that Jesus accomplished a uh, a great deal and a lot of the benefits of our salvation go unused for the most part you ever hear people talk about how only like a tiny fraction of our brain is used I, I think that's true uh, probably uh, scientifically speaking uh, I know I have room for growth in that, in that capacity but I know that that's true in the spiritual realm as well 
we will live way below our inheritance as children of God. And uh, God doesn't want us to. He wants us to, to have everything and to be everything. Uh, use all the tools, as it were, that he has given us to live this life. And in the next, we won't need those things because we're going to be with him. Amen. Amen. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, it says, He has delivered us from the dominion or the domain or the controlling uh, power of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. I, I said last week, we got a new spiritual zip code and God helped us move. You see? From a terrible place to the best place. Amen. To the kingdom of his beloved son. That's Jesus in whom we have redemption. He has paid for us with his precious blood. One drop of Jesus' blood is more valuable than anything and everything ever created by and through him. Which is all things. <laughs> Isn't that something? And the forgiveness of our sins. So we've been redeemed and forgiven. In Galatians 1.4, it says that Jesus gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age. And this is what we were talking about last week. That we are in this evil age, this present evil age, but we're not of it. And we're not bound by it or controlled by it. it. You know, bad things happen to good people. Yes. And in this world, we will suffer tribulation and persecution and things like that. Jesus said that. He said, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So as we walk after the spirit and enjoy the benefits of our salvation, the enemy has no control over us. We have control over not Satan, but the works of Satan. In other words, we can't kick him out of, out of, out of the world. This is where he's confined for a time. But he sure doesn't run roughshod over us unless we allow it. And when I say that, I say it in love, not meaning that we would ever want him to or knowingly allow it but we have to renew our minds and, and and really believe who we are and what we have in christ don't we and then start practicing those things so that they can benefit us and they become not second nature but we're living out of our new nature the only nature that we have we're not dual nature we have some remnants of the old man in, the, in our soul because this computer was programmed with all the ugly of the world before we knew the Lord. And now we can't discern that born again spirit with our natural senses. So we have to go by the leading and guiding of our wonderful paraclete, the advocate, the, the helper that was sent from God, the Holy Spirit, who wrote this book. And it will always be in agreement with this book. Yeah. And the more you get to know the Lord and the more, the more you get to know the word, all the people that say God said this and God said that, sometimes you know they're not, they didn't really hear God. How do you know that? Because see, when someone says God said, I just go, well, that, that trumps everything. But really, 
sometimes I know they didn't hear from God because it doesn't line up with the word. Because God doesn't want us to live a life of being deceived or being able to be deceived. He wants us to walk in love and victory and power. But as the time grow nearer to the end, there's going to be a lot of deception. Huh? A lot of wolves. This, this world is made up of selfish, self-centered people. I saw a picture this morning of a picture someone had taken, a photo on a, on a subway train somewhere. And there was all these people. There was a young girl with her headphones on, sitting there comfortably. A young man in his uh, early 20s sitting there. Another man sitting beside her. And there was people, there was feet across the way. They were all younger than I saw. And then there's a little woman holding the pole, standing up, and she was obviously very, very sick, you know, not not in good order. <laughs> and all of them were just paying, doing their own thing, didn't even think twice about saying, hey, sit here, you know. And the, the picture just said it all. I don't think it even had a caption. It was just, here's where we are as a culture, as a people, you know. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, sons and daughters, right? Calls us all son. The name of the game with that old devil is to keep us distracted or preoccupied with anything other than Jesus. That's his that's his that's his deal. He, that's why he comes to immediately to steal the word when i sow the word when anyone sows the word into your heart it says the devil comes immediately he doesn't want it to germinate take root and bear fruit in your life to steal the word the seed of the word so he's gonna he'll cause a distraction he'll cause a something to get you angry to get you to stop meditating on what you just received, the spiritual food, you see, so that it won't benefit you. Because he knows if he can get the word from you, then he's got you. Because this is the only thing that'll bring you. Hallelujah. Yeah. So I want to talk to you a little bit today about the power. There's a power of the blood of Jesus Christ. This being the first Sunday and we having just took partaken of the Holy Communion and have that on our minds already. I want to try to show you the things that we're always talking about again by making a, a little an end around and, uh, and show you another way. We'll preach the same message 5,000 different ways. Amen? Amen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing, not by having heard. Huh? Your mind doesn't stay renewed any more than your teeth stay brushed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is supposed to be our daily bread. Amen. Amen. Okay. So go back to Exodus. I said chapter 12, but I'm going to say if you look over to the left, you'll see chapter 11. And we're going to end up in chapter 12 in a second. But this this is uh, 
and I'm trying not to turn over there until I until I can't stand it anymore. And you know why? Because <laughs> I'm reading the whole thing. But uh, in Exodus chapter, we've been talking a lot about Moses. How Moses thought he was going to serve God in his own strength, in his own wisdom, his own power. The time was right. He had. He was a great, mighty warrior and, and had influence and done great things. He was 40 years old, top of his game, and he just said, this is it. This is time for me to, to, to be God's messenger, deliver the people out of bondage. And, and he screwed it up. And he had to move out to the backside of the desert for 40 years and go to Bush University. And then when he saw that burning bush, when he was 80, he went up there and God told him he was going to send him then. He'd, he'd taken a little time to get old Moses out of Moses. All that pride. And Moses, I believe, never gave up. We can tell by that great faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, that Moses was believing that whole time. He still believed that he was going to be the one. But I believe that by then he decided, if I get another chance, I'm going to do it God's way if it kills me. And God asked him, he said, well, if you send me back, they're not going to believe me. He remembered the first time when he tried it. They didn't just jump on board with his plan. And he said, they won't believe me. And God said, what's that in your hand? And he said, a stick, a staff, a shepherd's rod. It was his, just a common tool of his trade, right? And he said, throw it down. He did. It became a serpent. Moses ran from it, which is the natural tendency if you're smart. Obviously, it was a poisonous viper. And God told him, pick it up by the tail. Now, Moses had not written the last half of that scripture I told you at that point. He didn't know when he picked it up, it was going to turn back into a, a staff. You see what I'm saying? So put yourself on the front half of that scripture. Pick it up by the tail. For all he knew, can you imagine the thoughts that were going through his mind? Yes, I've been waiting for 40 years for an opportunity to serve God. And, and now come to find out, it looks like he's just mad at me and he wants to kill me. I, I, I probably would have, that would have crossed my mind. But he did it anyway. He had made up his mind that, hey, everything apart from God is ridiculous. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And if I get a chance to serve God again, I'm going to do it his way. If he kills me, and he picked it up, and it became the rod of God now. Now it became an instrument that he used to work all the miracles that God sent him back to Egypt to, to convince Pharaoh to let the Hebrews go from their bondage and slavery. So he had already, at this point we're talking about here in Hebrews, in Exodus chapter 11, <clears throat> this is where he's about to threaten the final plague of 10. <clears throat> so he had already done nine. He turned first the water into blood, remember? And then he brought uh, the frogs upon everywhere. <laughs> Even in the palace and people's beds, not only came out of the Nile, but they were in their cooking pots and everything. Well, those first two, remember that uh, even the magicians that Pharaoh had, they duplicated those with their dark arts. So Satan 
was able to do that. But then he got into the gnats, I think were next, and, and they couldn't do that. Gnats were everywhere, man. That was the third plague, and then he, uh, and then it was flies, and, and then, uh, then all the Egyptian livestock started to die, and then the, everybody got boils, and even the sorcerers in Pharaoh's court couldn't even stay in their presence because their boils were so so bad and I mean just terrible things and then the hail came and it wasn't just a hailstorm it was it was the hailstorm that killed everything that didn't get get inside and it came with fire and then the locusts came and then darkness for three days on the land and then now none of that moved Pharaoh it, he it would start to he'd say okay 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 and then then he would return to his sin and, and he would harden his heart amen, amen. so now well, here we are at the last at the last one and and uh, Moses God tells Moses what he's going to do and he threatens Pharaoh Moses uh, Moses was 80 but he still wasn't nobody to fool around with because <laughs> here he tells he tells uh, he tells Pharaoh that he's going to kill that God is going to kill the firstborn of every household. Huh? And even the livestock, <laughs> the firstborn are all going to die. And see, in all these other things, he, God did no harm to the, to the, to the Hebrews. You know, it hit everywhere except in Goshen where they were, right? But in this one, he said he's going to kill the firstborn of everybody. Except he gives, uh, he, and he tells this to Pharaoh, and and uh, he says he's not going to let them go, and he he leaves there mad. Moses does. So then, because he told him, he said, at about midnight, I'll go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl, who is behind the handmill. And all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been, nor ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against the people of Israel. Either man or beast that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Go over to the 12th chapter. Because you did tell him, And he said, no, God hardened his heart. And then in the 12th chapter, it describes the Passover, which is what this became known as. <clears throat> and it says, tell all the congregation, the third verse of Israel, that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household, 
And skip down to the fifth verse. And your lamb shall be without blemish, a lamb without blemish, a male, a year old. Then you may take it. Uh, let me skip down to the seventh verse. Then, then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. And this is going to be called the Lord's Passover. What they're going to do, they're going to eat this lamb. They're going to eat it all in one night. And I don't want to get into the meal because everything here is in type and shadow. And what I'm talking about today is the blood. Okay. This is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods, little g, of, of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And so Moses goes and he tells the people of Israel what they must do. They have to kill this Passover lamb, this lamb without spot or blemish, and then they have to capture all of the blood in a, a bucket, a basin. And he says here down in the 21st verse, the last half of the verse, it says, and kill the Passover lamb. Then it says, take a bunch of hyssop, this is like a weed. It's just a little plant. It grows everywhere in the Middle East. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel. That's the, that's the, the header of the, the door and the two doorposts. So the legs, we would call them, of the jam, you know? And uh, Take a bunch of hyssop and dip the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that's in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of this house until the morning for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood the on the lintel and on the two doorposts, that the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. And jump down to 27 first. It's the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses. This is what they'll teach their children and forever and ever, you see. And then in the 29th verse, this is when he actually does it. So it's taken a, a number of weeks to lead up to this point. And then he comes in the 29th verse. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn of the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and at the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, and there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up! Go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone. And bless me also. <laughs> Look, he, he, he not only knew, listen, I, I, I can't keep messing around with their God. And, uh, and on your way out, bless me. 
<laughs> that was smart. But let me tell you something else cool that went down there. What God told Moses to tell the people. He says, he says, before we go, go, go ask all your neighbors, all the Egyptians and everybody else that's not not Hebrew, go go ask them for, for silver and gold. For jewelry and things made of silver and gold so they left their rich people just he just put it upon people's hearts they just gave it to them <laughs> raise your hand and say the favor of the lord ain't fair but it's mine good for you to remember that and to say it often the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous who are the righteous Anyone in right standing with God, which you don't do that by earning it, do we? We do it by believing on Jesus. Hello. All right. Praise God. So let let me. So I, I did pretty good there. That's two chapters, and I didn't very read very much of either. I, I wanted to read both chapters, the full thing. But you can do that this week if you want to. But listen, the whole thing is in type and shadow. Everything I've been reading to you out of Genesis and Exodus, it's all type and shadow. Everything in the Old Testament is a type and shadow of what's been revealed now in the New Covenant. The Passover is about our warfare. Concealed here in type and shadow. Amen. Amen. Our warfare as believers against our true enemy the devil satan and his demon army it's a real thing and people that just ignore it will suffer loss not because god wants you to or he's punishing you for not being a theologian you don't have to be all you do need to do is when you hear something that god said just have that childlike faith and say yeah okay God said it, that settles it. He'll meet you right there. Every time. Yeah. That's the easiest thing you can make up your mind to do. And it's the best thing for your life. The moment you agree with God or decide to agree with God, your life will begin to change for the good. Amen. It doesn't mean that we don't suffer hardships and struggles in this life. We will. But the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. So you can get rich the world's way if, if you, I think you have to be pretty corrupt these days or just, <laughs> or what a lot of the corporations and things do, I've noticed, is they take some of the, some of the Lord's principles and they apply them. And they benefit because it worked. But still, what good does it do to, for a man to gain the whole wealth of the whole world? Lose his soul. Yeah. We're only here for a flicker, man. I'd rather have the eternal blessings and be blessed in this life. Because to be rich in the believer's eyes is... is has very little to do with monetary wealth. We know that's good to have. Huh? Duh. We need it in this life. <laughs> I'm believing for all of you to have a lot more of it and for God to help you to be good stewards of everything he puts in your care and to be kingdom builders. Amen. And you to be blessed along the way. That's a good thing. 
Poverty is of the devil, not of God. But we're learning about this warfare. And I'm going to show you about the blood of Jesus and what this is all meant. Uh, see, all of this in type and shadow, how they killed the, the lamb. Then they captured the blood in the, in the basin. Then they had to apply it with hyssop to the, the mantle and, and the doorpost. Not the threshold. Why? Too holy to ever step on or walk over the blood. But the blood was in the, in the basin. They captured it. They killed the lamb. They captured the blood in the basin. I know I'm belaboring this, but I want you to picture it in your mind. It's in the basin. See it in the bucket there? It wasn't useful in the bucket. It wasn't effective for the individual's until it was applied to the place where they live with the hyssop. You got it? So this correlates with some scriptures that we'll find in the book of Revelation. Now go to Revelation 12. See, see that? Exodus 12, Revelation 12. Easy. You can go back and do this study and say, oh, that was easy to remember. Revelation 12, verses 10, 11. And you know I'm using the English Standard Version. Sometimes I put down scriptures in other versions because it speaks, it speaks uh, more loudly to me, spiritually speaking. In other words, God's saying, use that. That, that one that really captured the essence of what I'm trying to say. If you want to know if a if a version really lines up with the word, just go look at the King James and make sure <laughs> saying the same thing in English. <laughs> I don't speak that kind of English. If I would have started out in church as a child, I probably would have stuck with the King James just like those old timers did. But I got started late and I, I said, Lord, I can't do that. Give me one I can read. <laughs> so I started with the NIV. And then he took me elsewhere to show me some of the problems there. But he, he really did reveal himself and get to know me really well through the NIV. So people can say what they call. I even call it the nearly inspired version now. But still, anything that, any version that translates into your life, that's the version you need to read it first. And then God will take you and show you the things that are doctrinally incorrect. I really believe that if you continue to seek him. I don't know why I got off on that. It'll help somebody somewhere. <laughs> Who's, who's not reading their Bible because they've got a dusty King James that they just say, well, I feel so guilty, but I just can't read that. Well, don't. don't you don't have to. Keep it as a reference. Go get you one you'll read. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, 11. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now, now. Everybody say right now. The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers, who's that? The devil. The accuser of the brethren is the devil, that slanderer, that snake, that serpent, that dragon, that liar, that deceiver. That's the devil. The accuser of the brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. 
Verse 11. And they. Everybody raise your hand. You're, you're the they. Okay. Talking about believers. They have conquered him. Talking about who, who is him. It's a little H. That accuser. That devil. They. You and me. Have, a, have conquered that devil. And it tells how. By the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony. And then it says, for they loved not their lives, even unto death. So as you already knew or have caught on by now, Jesus is the Lamb of God. Amen. <coughs> Jesus is the Passover Lamb Amen. that was concealed there in the Old Testament in type and shadow. That's why God was so specific about the instructions and this, the lamb without spot or blemish. And it's, it's a type, like everything in the Old Testament, of what was coming in the Christ, Jesus. He's the Passover lamb. Everything the Passover lamb stood for was accomplished and fulfilled in Christ Jesus. He was crucified on the cross of Calvary. So all the protection and victory Obtained by his shed blood might be made available to the people of God. To you and me. Praise God. Amen. That's good news, folks. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. John, just a couple of scriptures to remember when Jesus came walking up to the Jordan and his cousin John the Baptist was out there baptizing and preaching. And by the Spirit of God, he knew that was Jesus. I mean, it was his cousin, but they it's not like these days where you could... What's that when you can see somebody on your phone? FaceTime Face them and all that. You know, if you live 30 miles from somebody, you might never see them your whole life. <laughs> it, it wasn't a 25-minute drive, you know what I mean? So, anyway, John the Baptist says... Is that the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Remember that? And in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, says, Paul is telling the Corinthian church to get rid of some sin and sinners that were in the midst of the church. And he says, Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. In other words, he's trying to tell them Realize that you are sanctified, set apart, and made holy. You're a new creation in Christ. What are you doing still fooling around with all this junk of the world and in your own midst? Anyway, but that's not the message today. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So here we have two scriptures. John calls him the lamb of God, and then Paul calls him the Passover lamb. You see? That's Jesus. Now, the blood of that lamb, of Jesus, has been shed once and for all, right? He's not going to do it again. Won't be necessary, folks. And that blood of his is all in our spiritual basin, so to speak. Let's just call it that, huh? In our born-again spirit. But remember, as long as that, was, that blood was in the basin, it it was only made available to the one who needed it. Is that, would that be fair to say? I mean, it was in the basin. It, they had, 
the, 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 the lamb had died, they had the blood, but it wasn't helping them because God said what? It had to be taken with only with hyssop. He only gave them one way to apply it. It had to be with a bunch of hyssop and it had to be over the place where they lived. Huh? This is our spiritual house, folks. Huh? Amen. Amen. Okay. So, they needed the protection. We need the protection. Not helping in the bucket. Not helping in the basin. So we have to apply it. But today we're not actually going to use hyssop, are we? Huh? That, that's that little plant, like I told you, it found commonly everywhere. It was, it was readily available all over the Middle East. Just, just a weed, really. But now, it's just a common thing. So, with the believer, the blood has to be applied as well, right? Now, with the hyssop, in the scriptures, let's look again in that Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 and 11. It says, now... The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. Those are all for us, huh? Salvation and power, the kingdom of God. We've been translated, transferred into the kingdom of God. And our authority, the authority of Christ have come for, and, and why? Because the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down to accuse them day and night before our God. And they, us believers, have conquered him. And then, look, this is talking about, it didn't say, it's, a, it's talking about a direct confrontation between the believers and the enemy, isn't it? You see that? that that's, that's worthy, that's noteworthy, folks. They, the believers, have conquered him. That's the direct confrontation between the believer and their enemy, which is Satan or his demons. And notice, not, not the believer asking or begging God to do it for them. This is so important. So important. And then how? How are they confronting that devil personally? By the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives unto death. These are committed Christians. Remember, I told you weeks or months ago, the devil is not afraid of an uncommitted believer. He will test you. He will prod you. You got to remember, and I mean, everybody's not military. I'm not military, but I mean, you have to think in military terms if you're thinking of our warfare. And he's going to, He's going to probe your defenses. He's always looking for a way. And if he knows that you're not committed and you don't even believe what you're saying, he's not afraid. Last week I mentioned, I called it a fun fact about Jesus, but how Jesus has defeated Satan. Amen? Amen. It's a done deal. And when he went and sat down, he said it's finished and he gave us his, his body so we are Christ I mean when I look at Tamara or Dan I mean I, I, I call their head and their body the same thing don't I Tamara that's Dan their head and their body go together it's the same person though right so we're Christ 
Amen. We're in him. He's in us. We're one. We're seated with him in heavenly places and we have his authority. Luke 10, 19, he said, behold, I have given you all believers authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you by any means. Second Corinthians 10, 4, good buddy. And five, for the weapons of our warfare, here we go again, they're not carnal. They're not natural. They're not anything we can see. Not anything we can pick up and wield. They're not of the flesh. They're not, they, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. Here we go again. These are spirit, these, 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 these battle terms, these warring terms, you see, military terms. We just, and then he's, he says, they have, but they have divine power. The, the, the weapons aren't natural or carnal, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. That's a, a fortress or a, like a castle, you know, that they would come against that's erected by the enemy, a stronghold. And then he goes on in the fifth verse to, to tell you what those strongholds are because that's a, it's, a, it's a natural term, a parable. It's a natural term to describe a spiritual truth, right? So the stronghold's not really a fortress or in the natural because none of this is natural. I'm trying to understand. So what is it? He tells you in the fifth verse, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that raises itself against the knowledge of God. So everybody, I think this, or I believe God, or I think this. Well, if it don't line up with this, we destroy it with the truth. Doesn't mean we're out looking for a fight or we're, you know, carry our Bible around, hey, you know, <laughs> want to try me? It's like, you know, we're trying to build the kingdom of God and draw people to Jesus, share him, don't shove him, you know? But when you hear something that's in direct opposition to the truth, or you see it on the ballot at the voting booth, let's see here. Uh, this is what God says. This, this person agrees with what God says. This person said he'll send me some stuff. This is where you bear your cross. You choose God. You see? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a, a simple yeah. analogy, but it, it go, you can apply it to things every day in our lives. We're going to come to some crossroads every day in our life, but we need to choose. And we're supposed to bear our cross daily, it says, daily. That way, why do you throw in that word, daily? Yeah. Because there's a lot of people say, oh, I already took care of that. I got baptized when I was a baby or some nonsense. Like, what? Have you visited the Lord since? Talk to him once. Because it's about a relationship. If you think religion's going to save you, it won't. Amen. And there's nothing he wants more than to have a relationship with you. And you, as, as just as much as anybody else, doesn't love anyone any more than he does you. 
Where was it? <laughs> so the implication, and it says, so we come against, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion. In the New Testament, it talks a lot about the Greeks. And those were the philosophers and the scholars of the day. We meet a lot of those in this life with their opinions based on their life and what they see and what they think. And if it, and it usually doesn't line up with the word of God. So you can kind of see that. And then it says, and then we take every thought captive. Now we're talking about ourselves because you can't take someone else's thoughts captive, can you? I can't change you. And, you know, with me, you know, I can do something about my thoughts. People say, oh, I can't help what I think. And what I, yeah, you can. You really can because God says you can. In Philippians 4, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, think of good report, think on these things, that sort of thing. So he would be, he wouldn't be a good father if he told us to do something that we couldn't do or give us the power and ability to do it. So we know we can. I tell people, put a, put a screen on your forehead that reveals all your thoughts. You'll change them. <laughs> You'll change them. <laughs> but, but he says, we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In other words, we have to keep ourselves. Because, I mean, I, I know my mind. I still get, I get some crazy stuff running through here. And you know, Kenneth Hagin says, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head. But you can keep them from making a nest on top of your head. You know what I'm saying? We can run them off. We get some stinking thinking. We do. We all do. You know, whether it's anger or jealousy or bitterness or self-pity, any of those things that don't line up with God. This we, we when we catch ourselves, we just say, "Hey, whoa, uh-uh." I just start, I just start praising God. I raise my hand. I start praising God. You know why? Because it says that that God inhabits the praises of His people. And I want to get rid of this. And I know the one behind it is the enemy. So I just start praising God. I start saying what God says about me. That I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. I'm loved. Blessed. And pretty soon. Preach myself happy. Or at least back out of that nonsense. Huh? The implication is that our weapons are spiritual in nature. And so now we can see why to walk according to the flesh is death in all its various forms. You know, death doesn't just talk about when we lay down and don't get back up. You know, it's talking about anything that is not of God is really death. Negativity is death. Poverty is death. Sickness is death in any form. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a form of death. It's just... Hasn't grown to the full-blown natural manifestation of it yet. But it's producing death. And nothing, something that's not alive and vibrant and good in your life. It's death. You see everything? But those who live according to the Spirit is life and peace. And man, that's all we want. People always think they want to win the lottery. I tell them, if you just trade the money or, or just to walk in a life of total peace. And some of them will still say they want the money because they think they'll have peace if they get the money. That's just crazy. I'd rather have peace. If you got peace, then you apparently not worried about anything. That's all we really want. Just hey man, just take this, take this pack off my back. Well, Jesus gave us that as a gift in John 14, 27. Peace I give to you. My peace I give unto you. 
Not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That's our part in the relationship. If we can run that, that fear and that trouble off and cast our cares on the Lord, he's promised us he'll keep us in perfect peace as we keep our minds stayed on him because we trust in him in Isaiah 26, 3. Amen. And that's a good thing, right? So, so back to this, we have three weapons talked about it in this 12th chapter of Revelation, verses 10 and 11 here. And we have three weapons, the blood of the Lamb, the Word of God, and the testimony of the believers. All right? We have the, the blood of the Lamb, the Word of God, and the testimony, our testimony as believers. Now, the blood of the Lamb is always available to us. We just made that pretty clear, right? It's available, but not necessarily doing its job because we have a part to play. The blood of the Lamb is always available. It's in that spiritual basin ever since the cross of Calvary. The Word of God here never changes, does it? It's alive and active, but that doesn't mean it's evolving. You hear some people say these days. God has not changed or changed His mind. Ever since the cross of Calvary, ever since the day of Pentecost when the church was born, the 50th day after Jesus was resurrected and 10 days after he ascended till he comes back, this dispensation of time that we live in, this church age, this age of grace and truth, God will not change his way of dealing with man. There was 1,500 years of the law. He dealt with them a different way then. Jesus came and got set that aside by fulfilling it, nailing it to the cross, took away everything Satan had to accuse us with, praise God. Amen. Man, we are so blessed. So blessed. The only variable then, since the, the blood is always available in the spiritual basin, the word of God never changes. The only the third thing, the only variable thing or factor is our testimony. And this is, I'm not talking about just standing up and telling your testimony. That's, that's good. That's always powerful. If you don't know anything else about the word, you can always tell people that, hey man, I don't know. I just came to Jesus and he found me. I thought I found him, but apparently he found me. Nobody can come to him unless the Father draw, draw him and uh, he's changed my life. That will get somebody saved. It'll point them to Jesus. Someone else will come and water that seed. God will send workers across their path until they're like, what the heck's going on here? I remember stopping in the middle of an intersection on my fat boy saying, <laughs> he's got a way. He's got a way. He's got a way of getting, getting your attention. Spoken word of God. This is the variable. Our testimony, speaking this word of God, that is applying the blood with the hyssop. Might as well think of your tongue as the hyssop. It's your spoken testimony. Amen. That's applying the blood. And as we say what God says, we transfer the blood from the basin to the place where it's needed. Or we need the provision and the protection to our lives. Amen? Amen. And then 
we're exercising our authority, you see. Now we're taking advantage of the benefits of our salvation. And it provides everything that we'll ever need. Because it says that in Christ, all things pertaining to life, this life and godliness have been provided for us. Have been. Their own spiritual account. Huh? So we're always talking about we have to draw things up out of the spirit. Same thing. The blood is in the basin. In the spirit. Huh? That's why praying in the spirit is so good. <laughs> but you can do it by speaking the word of God. Saying what God says about over every situation. Instead of what you see. You can say what you see. But if you just keep saying what you see. You're going to have what you say. <coughs> it's not going to change. Not for the better. If you keep saying what you see. And I'm talking about the negative things you see. You know what you're doing? You're planting more seed. You're throwing more seed on more negative seed. On the same type of seed. On top of that seed. And it's going to get worse. Quit bragging on the devil. We know what he's doing. You can say it's happening, but don't stop short of but God and then say what God says. Say, I'm not moved by that old devil. I speak to that mountain. Remember, the mountain is anything that opposes us, that stands against us, that we're confronted with. And there's going to be lots of mountains in our lives. And lots of mountaintops. You know, it's wonderful on the mountaintop. Hopefully, you have a, your mountaintop experiences when you when you come to church. You're with a, other believers. You're hearing the word of God. You're hearing, you feel the presence of God. This is, you know, or are you just being blessed by God? Are you just in your <coughs> personal prayer time? You're just having a mountaintop experience. You're with God. It was wonderful for Peter, James, and John up on the mountaintop when Jesus was up there and, and God spoke. And they were up there and they saw Moses and Elijah and they heard the Father speak. They didn't get to stay up there. They had to go down to the valley where the ministry was. And when they got down there, all hell had broken loose. Huh? But... For every valley, there's a mountaintop experience. There's always times of refreshing with God. You can count on it. We don't mourn and grieve like the rest of the world. Why? Because we have hope. We have God. Hope is a confident expectation of good from God for the believer. <coughs> so... When we say everything that the blood of Jesus, that everything that the blood of, of, of God does, because we, we know it from the word, everything that God says that his blood has done on our behalf, and then we say that it is doing it for us right now, then we will experience that victory. We will experience that power. We will experience that protection if you don't give up. If you feel like giving up, call a fellow believer. 
Don't call that old friend from the world that'll just agree with you and be sad and wallow with you and, and invite you to do things you shouldn't do and, and hate on people you shouldn't hate. Call the ones that, that know the Lord and they're not in the middle of the fire so they can see more clearly and they can help point you back. I'm so sorry this is happening, but man, let's pray. Let's just pray. Let's pray for your situation. Now let's pray for that other person. Now let's find some scriptures. What's God say about this? Let's stand on this right here. I'm believing with you. The power of agreement. Huh? That's a friend. That's a friend, folks. And, and they're not that hard to find. Sometimes our flesh says, no, nah, I want to call, I want to call my old running buddy. He'll, he'll, he'll just agree with me and make me feel better. He'll cuss him with me, you know. And, and no, nah, don't do that. And not only so we benefit from everything that the blood of Jesus does when we start proclaiming and speaking it over ourselves and our situations, our bodies, our finances, and, and everything else in our lives. But when we do this, we, we help to advance the kingdom of God, which is ultimately what we're trying to get to. God wants us healed everywhere we hurt, empowered by his blood and promises, and, and to know how much he loves us and to prosper us in every way. But that help... Healing, empowerment, love, and prosperity is supposed to bring us to a place where we are strong to go and build the kingdom and to help others with that same help we've received. Amen? Amen. So as we, we do, we, we're advancing the kingdom of God. Fortress to fortress. Stronghold to stronghold. We're tearing down strongholds of the enemy that opposes God and His truth and His love and His power and His provision, His protection. God, the devil doesn't want you to know this stuff. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're not carnal, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. These are the demonic fortresses erected by the enemy that we were talking about. And this is the, the spiritual warfare that we're in. We see that, right? Paul said, we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion. These are the strongholds. People have strongholds in between their ears, you know, and they, they need help sometimes. And you can share the truth with them. Let them know how much you love them first. Because without that, they don't care how much you know. But if they do believe you, then, then you can begin to look for doors and windows of opportunity to say, you know, the word says this. And if you'll believe that, I'll, I'll stand on that with you. And, because... This, uh, this way we're heading, <laughs> you know, this isn't going to get us anywhere good. But God has a better plan. They'll appreciate it later. Amen? Amen? Make this real in your life. That's what we need to do. Speak the promises. Speak the provision of God over your life, over your finances, over your health, over your family, over, over your church and pastor. Amen. <laughs> It's not, it's hard. I mean, it's easy, but it's not simple. I mean, it's, it's not see and say. See, we grew up, see and say. When I see it, I'll believe it. We just started, there used to be a little kid's game, huh? You spend a thing, you see it, and then you say what you see. Well, it doesn't work that way with God. And we have to learn it's a kingdom of opposites. We have to say what God says, and then we will see it. And we have to believe we have what we pray for when we pray and then we will have it. 
And that's not always easy. And if the enemy knows, well, if they don't get what they want by the time they get done praying, they'll, they'll just get back in the flesh. Don't worry about that one. You got watchers in your life. This is not a conspiracy theory. It's the truth. You got good angels and you got demons and uh, watching, and, and they're they're all looking for an inroad. Give God's angels the authority they need to get to work on your behalf. Speak this. Speak this. Believe it. Speak it over everything. I'm declaring. Over everyone that hears this message. Everybody here today and everybody who hears this message. You're, you're blessed. Amen. You're blessed. If you have Jesus, you're blessed. You're blessed in your, your finances. You're blessed in your health. You're blessed in your mind. You're blessed in the city. You're blessed in the country. You're blessed. Your family is blessed. Your, your work is blessed. Everything you put your hands to is blessed. Unsaved friends and family members are coming to the Lord. Amen. I declare it in the name of Jesus. Addictions are being broken for those you've been praying for right now in the name of Jesus. Just follow God. Say what God says about you. You are blessed. Praise God. If God be for you, who can be against you? Nobody. Say this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And believe it, folks. You got to believe it. You got to get mad at the devil. You do have an enemy and he has an army. But you know what? You have authority. You are more powerful than you know. If God said it, that settles it. If you stand up and you really believe, if you, the moment you believe the things we're talking about, that devil's going to run. And you know what? He might get... Sometimes when people really press in to this, these truths and they start taking up their spiritual identity, the enemy will begin to try to do his worst. And, it's, and, I, and I'll say it like this, and I'm not just, if I, if I go too far, forgive me, I'm still just 15 years into preaching here. But I always say, it, a lot of times when you believe in God, you're standing on the truth, you're believing for something, you're speaking the word, you're learning your identity and you're using your authority. He will do things like that. But it's just that old devil stomping his feet because he knows he got to get the hell out of Dodge pretty soon. Amen. And if you'll just hold on, he will. Because you, you're, you, when God sees one of his kids, you think about, you think having a kid of your own, like just a, a kid. Well, like I talk about Harper and Nolan and the one, you know, our, our grandkids, Max and Maureen, you know, you, you love them so much. God loves you more. And you see that child and you see a bunch of enemies on them and they're standing strong. They're trying to, they're, they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're doing the warfare, right? They're fighting back. What are you going to do as that dad in charge of the armies of heaven? And trust me, that's what's going on around you. If you just stand firm, just have confidence. You ever seen that sign of that little that little baby lion? And he's, a, he's just faced up with something, obviously, that opposing him. And, and But behind him is that big lion. 
And that little lion is like, yeah, you better be scared of me. But he doesn't know that the big lion is standing behind him like, yeah, you better run for my baby because I'm right here. You see? You got to see that. Whatever it takes to get this in your mind and believe it. You say, well, when I see it, when he starts... When he starts defending me and taking up from me and blessing me like you're talking about, then I will believe it. I'm sorry you won't get it that way. I'm not saying God isn't always trying to find a way. I believe he is, always. Sometimes when you, you're just down and you just can't even, the last thing you can do, the heaviest thing in the world would, at that time would be your arm. Not even because there's anything wrong with you, but just because... To lift holy hands and praise God in a time when you're so down and out, it just seems like the heaviest thing in the world. I ain't even, well, you know, I believe in those times God has others like me and May and, and whoever praying for you. I know he does. And then I pray in the spirit sometimes. And, you know, when I go to praying in the spirit, I'm talking about in tongues, folks. Don't be freaked out. It's a blessing from God. But I'll be praying, I'll be, I'll have something very hard in confronting me or, or something I'm trying to get through or sort out or I need a word from God. And I'm praying specifically in the spirit, but I'm, I tell God, I'm, I'm, I'll be praying about it. I'll say, this is what I want to, I'm praying about. And I have it in my mind that that's what I'm praying for in the spirit. You know, other times I'm saying, Lord, just use me because I know that he has me praying for other people. You know, and as I go through the list in my mind and I see you guys, I pray in the spirit. And I believe that God is, I'm speaking the, the blessings and provision and power and protection of God over all of you. So, so just because you get down sometimes, I don't want you to get down. Don't stay there. It's a trick of the devil. But just believe that even then, God is still, God is still there protecting you, you know, like a baby bird with a hurt wing or something, just, just covering over you till you can get strong again. Amen. Huh? <coughs> just because you're not powerful and strong and fighting the warfare that day, don't think he left you. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. He loves you. Praise God. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you for, for this day and for this word. I thank you, Lord, that each one who hears it will, will value this word, place a high value on this word, and that they won't let the enemy steal it. They will protect it. They'll say, you're not getting this word, enemy. I'm going to take this. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to make this my own. I'm going to bake. I'm, 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 grow, I'm not leaving here like I came. I'm not, I'm changed having heard this word. I'm going to apply these truths to my life. And I'm going to walk in the power and victory that God created me to. And I'm going to fulfill all the days he wrote for me in the Lamb's Book of Life. Not my plan, but his. I choose to pick that serpent up by the tail and see that it becomes an instrument of God in my hands. Whatever it is that I have, I'm, I just submit it to you, Father. Lord, help all of these, your children, to see themselves as bold as a lion, knowing that the real lion of the tribe of Judah is right behind them always. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Glory to God.